0: Today's episode of the DC3Cast is brought to you by Comixology immerse yourself in over 20,000 digital comic books, graphic novels and manga titles from over 125 publishers with Comixology. Our first in-class exclusive Guided View technology provides an unparalleled immersive and cinematic reading experience for readers. Purchase a la carte titles or start a monthly unlimited account to save 15% on select publishers. Still not sold? Try an unlimited subscription free for 30 days and see why thousands of readers trust comicsology for both classic and new releases from DC, Image, Marvel, and many, many more.
1: folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Zach and Vince. We are here for the first of our four weeks discussing 52. This was DC's first weekly event series of the modern era. It had four main architects, Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. They co-wrote each of the 52 issues. Every issue featured art breakdowns by Keith Giffen. And this was taking place in the year following Infinite Crisis. All of the mainline DC books skipped ahead a year for a one year later story. And this book told the story of that year. Um, I'm sure we have a lot to say about this book in general, but it's sort of become our custom on this show to ask, you know, when you guys first read this. So, Vince, I'm going to guess, based on prior conversations, you were reading this weekly. Oh, yeah, baby. And, Zach, I'm going to guess we both read this in probably 2009 or somewhere thereabouts?
0: Yeah, I read this in the summer of 2009. Yeah, I read
1: it in a similar time. Again, like between 2003 and eight or so, I was out of comics. So this was all a playing catch-up. Um. So Vince is going to lead us on this. I just want to talk about one quick thing beforehand. I hate, hate with a capital H, that the covers are not included in the story here, that the covers are just in a gallery in the back. I really don't like not having the covers of the books in the in the trade for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: The trade does have all that nice back matter, though.
1: It does, but you could have easily slid a cover in there, too. Well, they had to sell them separately.
0: No, they're in the um, they're,
1: they're in the back of the book. They're just not
0: Oh, they are.
1: Like when oh, you Oh, okay. like uh, cuz a lot of times the back matter is referencing the cover, but you haven't seen the cover yeah. yet because you have to scroll you have to okay. click the back. It's it's very I, I've, I
0: so I I've, I've I've been reading them digitally just out of convenience, but I've also been turning to um our our good friend uh Greg Matasevich sent me uh bound versions of 52 um and i've been turning to those uh to read the back matter um as i go along um and uh i hadn't looked in the back because they i knew they also had released uh collections of just the covers right um so i didn't i didn't know if maybe they had omitted them just for that reason but uh great jd jones covers yes yes
1: so, Vince, want to kick us off here, bud?
2: Uh yeah, sure. I, do we want to talk about the what we think of the format in general, or sure? Like, what what do you guys think about weekly comics? We we've done actually the origins of the DC three uh, lie somewhat within the world of of weekly DC comics, right?
1: Yeah, I want to say we had started before Villains Month, but that was like the first thing we had really. Done as a print column. Yeah. And then the
2: podcast itself
1: though. Yeah, but that was to say is we also did um futures end and Batman Eternal annotations. And then we did Batman and Robin Eternal was like the first podcast thing we did with any regularity. Mm. Um right?
2: I think so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um yeah yeah and uh, yeah and that was that was sort of the start of the podcast. So yeah, we have our roots in this um I, for me i I love the idea of weekly comics more than I love the execution of them sometimes, but I think that of all the weeklies we've read or I've read rather, this one pulls it off the best
2: mm-hmm. despite
1: what despite definitely, countdown being yeah. fifty two done right.
0: Yeah, I stand by that. Look, (laughs) well, I've I've never read Countdown and I've never read Trinity, so I can't speak to those. But I've read every other weekly DC series, so
2: so how do you feel about them as a concept?
0: Oh, I love them. They're the best. Yeah,
2: yeah, I really. But I only there
0: should only be one at a time, in my opinion. I. think i agree with that the the time when there was batman eternal and futures End, and then earth, earth world's two worlds and that was that was the absolute worst
2: yeah that was that that was rough but what i love about weekly comics at least when you're talking about you know something a, a universe like dc is that they're able to cover so like in 52 issues we essentially follow six character stories uh through an entire year that touch on lots of other characters in the touches on the whole dcu basically by the end of this thing um who would you consider the six main characters by the way uh renee montoya steel booster ralph black adam the question you wouldn't count the space heroes. Um, I'm going by what Dan Didio said as the pitch for this. Okay. The pitch was that those six characters were your guides through this, and and yes, there's more. There's more involved. It's more involved than that, and some of the fo- the focus kind of changes depending. But because I, I would say if you swapped out the quest, the question story really
1: is Renee's story. Is Renee's story. So if you yeah, swap that I... out and you put the three. You know, Adam Strange, Animal Man, and Starfire. I think you've pretty much got it there. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 you're following our Speaking boy Danny. I understand.
0: Yeah. There, there's other stuff that comes in later, and it, it's been so long since I, I don't remember like what threads, I don't remember like what character threads interact with this, and I don't want to tip my hand too much, but like in these first 13 issues, we have some stuff with, Will Magnus and Tio Morrow. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: That is also a big
0: thread. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yep. So, so, but regardless, what I, what I'm saying is, um, I love how you get all these different stories. And if you think about like just these 13 issues, which we'll go over individually in a bit, but like if you, not to, to any one individual character, not much happens in these 13 issues. So, the decompression that's present in modern comics still exists, but you're reading, you know, six or more different characters' stories across those 13 weeks. And so it's the illusion of not being decompressed. And I love that. To me, that's the solution for like the malaise that I sometimes feel when. Like, if you imagine any of these stories on their own, you're reading, a, a, in this period of time, a 13-issue run on The Question or or Renee Montoya that essentially doesn't get anywhere in 13 issues, you know? Yeah. But because you're reading it as part of this weekly event comic that deals with all these storylines at the same time, you're constantly being shown something different and every issue ends on some sort of cliffhanger or moment that teases something yet to come it feels like anything can happen because your you, your expectations are not okay what i'm really reading here is an origin story for one character or a decompressed uh six issue story arc of one char- It's it doesn't feel like that even if that same kind of stuff is seated within here. Does the, that illusion, make sense? the illusion yeah. of yeah. movement is present. Yeah. Yes. It's the, the illusion, illusion of growth. Yeah. It's the but, illusion but, of compression is what I like to is what I call it. Sure.
0: Well, and I, it's even more so. But you you think about like, well, it's interesting. I don't really know why this is, and maybe we can break this down a little bit. But we've complained about the the biweekly comics and rebirth and how they just kind of tread water and aren't really like benefited by the like increased shipping mm-hmm. um whereas this you know you you you're you have three months of storytelling here in these in these 13 issues um and you compare the amount of things that happen in this to you know say a book that you know three issues of a normal series and it's just far so much more happens in this you know um it just feels so much richer um mm. so it it it's the illusion of compression because not only not only all the other things that you said but there's like there is a a depth to it as well it's not mm. it's not a shallow single reading experience you know right um yes
2: it's not it's not saying i'm taking the birds of prey from here to here over 12 issues 13 12 issues or whatever i'm taking all of these characters through the dc universe is that what you're saying like
0: yeah yeah you're yeah you're really you're taking the dc universe really yeah in general and that's like the best these like backbone books are just they're just the best um
2: Oh, I love it. I, yeah. yeah. And the trade-off, obviously, is probably a little bit with the art.
1: Significant um, trade-off, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. A, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think some of it is perfectly crumpulent art, um, but it's not the kind of thing that's sustainable, and it's not, you know, with Three Jokers, I talked about the merits of letting Jason Fabok be as detailed as he wants and take as much time as he wants. Obviously, you don't have that luxury here. And it's nice to have the continuity of Giffen kind of staging everything and having these other artists come in and finish it off. But it's... This is cliche to say, but it it does look like rushed work here and there, I think, sometimes. It's rarely the artist's best work. Yeah. It's and it's very much focused on the artist delivering that that's the trade-off. W- when we say oh my god so much happens and that's why this is good, we're not saying like that is what comics is or that's what but, but like that that trade-off is is sometimes worth it for us, especially when it is a backbone book like this because yeah. you're trading what they are doing is they're using the art to just deliver plot, plot, plot. There's not a lot of experimentation going on here. It's not showing us visuals in, in a new way at all. It's just, it's classic comic book plot delivery through the art.
0: Yeah. But I will say these generally are like, this is a pretty good stable of artists and none of the very, in very few cases, what I say the art is like egregiously like bad, um, it's generally very crumpulent to a, do a, to above crumpulent, and you know we've got some great work from people like Joe Bennett and Eddie Barrows, and um, you know some people that we like a lot now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I,
1: I will say, uh, not not to to counter that, but I when I read the first two or three issues, I thought both wow this is the worst Joe Bennett art I've ever seen. And also, I remember the art in this book being better. I'm not saying that means it's bad. It's just that I I had remembered the art being better than it was. That's interesting.
0: Uh, I I don't think I... I wasn't really paying attention to art the same way now that I do then, because I was really just getting into comics. And really, for me, at that point, comics were just a vehicle for plot. I I didn't really care as much about the art at that point. Um, so maybe that's probably a key difference there.
1: Well, no, but I, I think we're, we're kind of saying the same thing. Like, I, yeah. I I wasn't noticing the art because I was so concerned with the plot. Now that I have uh. a more discerning eye for the art, I don't think it's as good. Yeah. It's not that it's bad. It's just that I, I just think it's, like Vince said, even in the first couple of issues, you get the sense that Bennett, because Bennett did, I think, the first five or six issues uh, on his own here. You just get the sense that he he can't take time to be too cute with anything. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's it's very it's 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 perfectly acceptable art. Oh it's sure. Yeah. Very, it's it's very utilitarian. Yes. Yes.
0: And they are they are for the most part trying to keep a certain house style for continuity for like visual continuity yes oh for sure eddie barrows looks very different now yes yes
1: and i was gonna say like even if we even if you maybe balk at the idea of a house style fuckers go read countdown where no two pages look the same and uh (laughs) yeah yeah that's wild. you will be very thankful for the continuity of 52 Mm
2: -hmm. yeah absolutely i am
1: right, i am Super. both i am both very glad and somewhat sad we are not reading countdown for this show
0: mm. I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't say no <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> well let's get those two beers out of you first and yeah then... exactly <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> i wouldn't say no either but i'm i'm a pain pig you know that um we, um we may have to read
1: countdown boys
0: i would do it i would do it over five weeks instead of four yeah, no, okay, I, sure. I would do it in one week to get it over with. <laughs> I can't read 52 issues in one week.
2: Oh, man, imagine making that five weeks of your life, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, oh. I, I would rather have a terrible week than have...
0: Oh, have... no.
2: no I physically make... couldn't do it. That would be the problem. You read 52 in week. Well, I think I just
0: underestimate how bad Countdown is.
2: Mm.
1: I have now read it twice, once... Once for what was supposed to be pleasure, and then once for a multiversity thing this summer. And it's it's bad.
0: I'll tell you what. I'm going to try to finish 52 early. If I do, I will take some of that time to read some of Countdown. And if I can make it through like the first dozen issues, and I haven't balked, we have to do it. This This is truly sick. Sicko mode in
1: action. This is sicko mode in action, but it's also now recorded on the podcast for posterity so we have to do it (laughs) yeah
0: you're right well only if i get through those issues it's all to be fair resting on me and i have a track i have a track record i have a history of not reading comics so you're probably safe and
1: I, i i will i will say this i will say that the first 12 issues are probably the most palatable of the whole
0: bunch See the thing is, if I do it, I'm gonna want to read like Countdown plus like all the tie-in miniseries too, and oh. I don't want to do that.
1: We would just like be reading
0: Countdown, Countdown to an adventure and Countdown to mystery and the the Lord Havoc um, <laughs> Countdown Arena, um, the whole the whole thing.
2: DC was really on one at that time, man. Um, anyway, right, fifty two. Can we just get started with fifty two <laughs> <Yes>. here? <laughs> no. right, so, so I'm going to go issue by issue, and I'm going to kind of treat this the way that we did when we were podcasting those other weeklies. In that, I'm I'm not going to talk in like great detail about the plot. I'm going to do bullet points maybe three or four bullet points or so per issue. And if you guys have anything else you want to add or say about any of that stuff, just stop me. Um, or anything I forgot. Um, I'm also not going to focus on the art very much because it is very much house style utilitarian. Um, so if there is an art thing, like again, please stop me. Um, the, Covers. I'd love to talk about the first cover in particular, but I'm also not going to stop for the covers with every issue. So if you like a particular cover that I don't mention, mention that, but, um, does that sound good? Should we get started? Okay. So the 52 number one cover is pretty iconic to me because of like a, a, the time and place of being young and picking this up and marveling at the idea of a weekly series and then having you know again when i'm young and i see this image of like the batman cowl and wonder woman's sword and lasso stabbing through superman's cape i think like man can they do that that's like (laughs) you know Pretty pretty iconic image, I would say. Right? Don't you guys think that's a pretty great cover?
1: Yes. I think it also sets the tone both for Jones as the cover artist and also for the idea that this is not going... Like, I think when you think of DC, you think of the Trinity, and this puts that to bed right away. You're not going to get in the Trinity here even mm-hmm. though you sort of get the Trinity at times, but you know, you, yeah, you do. Yeah. Not, not in the way that,
2: you know, you were expecting to get them, I guess. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So like the, the, the covers to this series are generally great, but none of them really stick in my mind aside from this one. Uh, the one cover
1: that sticks in my mind is the cover to issue 13, which is the one that has like a green lantern and green arrow in the cult of Connor hoods. Ah. Uh, that one, for whatever reason, always always stays with me.
0: Okay. So mine is uh, issue six, um, the one with Hal on the front. And, and the Great
1: Ten behind him.
0: And the Great Ten behind him, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: That's, I, that's the one that always sticks out in my mind.
1: I also really love the one, I think it's maybe seven or eight, the one that's the, the John Henry Irons cover, but it's like John Henry the Folktale. Mm -hmm. like it's it's him swinging that the big hammer i love that cover as well yeah yeah that's your eight eight okay good one yeah these are all excellent covers this is this might be the best series in dc history for just
2: straight up covers yeah yeah they're great um okay so 52 issue one um so i really like the week one day one week two day one format that they do they they literally break the plot down into not just weeks but every day of every week basically where something happens so if you really wanted you could like quibble like okay could that have really happened in this many days time or whatever but I, i think they pretty much worked that stuff out pretty well there's nothing I can think of that's really glaring as far as the structure is concerned. Is every does every issue feature all
1: seven days? I didn't pay attention to that fact. I, no, no. A, no. a
0: lot of issues. Some issues are even just one day of the week. I yeah. Um, no,
2: yeah, they don't. But um, but it's still a very cool. Uh, absolutely, yeah. It's a cool framing device. It, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we open on. Ralph Ralph's story is that he's you Ralph know, say, the elongated Ralph man. Did, Ralph Dibney, the the elongated man uh, still mourning the loss of his wife Sue from uh, uh, identity crisis is about to blow his head off when he hears a message um, about a note that was left on Sue's tombstone or some <laughs> sort of we, we will find that it's a symbol but uh, but yeah so right away pretty pretty grim stuff for Ralph. Uh, In this issue, also, uh, John Henry Irons uh, strips Natasha Irons, his niece, of her tech uh, in kind of a trying to teach her like a J. Walter Weatherman lesson about (laughs) responsibility. Um, And uh, Booster, meanwhile, is expecting to be announced as a new member of the JLA because Uh, They're doing a memorial for Superboy, and the Trinity is expected to show up and speak as part of the memorial. And in his vision of the future, uh, this is when they would announce a new JLA roster in the wake of everything that's happened. Um, Ultimately, they do not show up. Uh, We also get Renee Montoya, who at this point um, has recently lost a romantic partner uh, so she's hard drinking. She, she also lost her police partner. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Um, yeah. So lots of loss going on in, in Renee's life right now. So she's, you know, drowning her sorrows in liquor and she's visited by the question. Um, Black Adam, meanwhile, is kind of reasserting himself as a world leader and um, ruler of Kandak and uh, like a major player in international affairs. Um, While he's speaking, a terrorist tries to interrupt and um, we also find out that Dr. Savannah is abducted. That's pretty much all I wanted to talk about for this issue. Um, Is there anything I'm missing that you guys noted in this issue of importance? Um, I, Any particular storyline that you're more invested in at this point? I just
1: want to say one of the things that, that is pointed out in this issue is that uh, we notice that something's wrong with Skeets. That Skeets is the one who feeds Booster the information about what's supposed to happen and when. And we get the first sense that something is malfunctioning with Skeets, which will become a huge plot point in future weeks.
0: Skeets, 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 Skeets. From the
1: window uh... to the wall. Yeah. You know.
2: I found myself uh, surprisingly invested in the steel Natasha irons side of things. I think, I think that part, that relationship is, is pretty well written and pretty well handled for like, for some like typical teen angst type stuff. Yes.
0: Mm. Um, The things that I drew out from this reread, um, it's been so long since I've read 52. I don't remember a lot of it, but I know that the payoff. I don't remember exactly what happens or like what it even is anymore. It's like it's so far removed. But I know and I remember that the payoff for the gun is so good, and I, mm-hmm. I don't remember what happens. And I'm so excited to get to it again. But I remember the first time I got to that part. The
1: gun that Renee finds in the the that she uses in the no, warehouse. the
0: gun, the gun that Ralph has.
1: Okay, Ralph's gun. Okay.
0: Yeah, Ralph's gun that he's about to blow his head off with i mm-hmm. i remember that there there's a payoff for that gun eventually that the first time i read it just like i i i won't say i was like floored but i i just that that part has stuck with me enough even though i don't actually remember what the payoff <laughs> is um, i just Do you remember, remember the like, feeling i remember the feeling yeah of like when that gets revealed um but otherwise, I would say kind of just like in general, the the storylines that I think that I'm the most invested with that that I remember are the Booster Gold and the Black Adam plot lines. Yeah, the Black
1: Adam one for me is is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, Amish Shazam boy, as we all know, and this is yeah. also coming off of his really good JSA stuff. So there's been a. lot. This is the like you know. Black Adam in the Golden Age and in early early Shazam as a DC property stories is pretty much just like your standard bad guy, your your sort of uh, arrogant dickhead ruler. But once Black Adam becomes the more nuanced character that Johns especially made him and uh, also that he was made in the Power of Shazam series by Jerry Ordway, like, he just becomes a really fascinating character, and I really enjoy his stories. Plus, I feel like he, he's he's essentially, in, in this book, he's the equivalent of the Hannibal Burris, why are you booing me, you know I'm right, <laughs> If Like, <you> know, <laughs> everything he says has a kernel of truth in it, even if you don't necessarily like it. He's a pretty, he's pretty spot on, and they do a good job of sort of highlighting his points of view without excusing his behavior. I think it's a, mm-hmm. I think it's the most nuanced story in the first batch. But to me, that's the one and then the Ralph and Sue story just because I I think it's just so heartbreaking and so and it does a really good job of of showing Ralph in mourning but also showing what a damn good detective he is.
0: Mhm. Uh, um then the last thing I want to say is I I just like to love, love, love so much the, the, the final three pages, the week one, day seven, where the question peels off the bat logo and paints a question mark yeah. and shines it in Renee's uh, like at her apartment window. And she's just like, it points up, you idiots. And the question is just like, are you ready? And I'm like, oh, yes, absolutely. I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty great yeah um do we know so the writers were sort of semi-assigned like specific characters right like i know there's some crossover I'm sure but like in general the writers were writing specific characters storylines within this right yes though i believe
1: early on after the first in the first few weeks they were doing it more like as a group okay Um, okay but i believe the breakdown goes something like johns was doing the black adam stuff and the cult of connor stuff uh wade was doing the uh booster stuff and the steel stuff kind of sounds I like think, him. But I, I think the steel stuff. Rucka is definitely doing the question slash Batwoman stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And Morrison is doing the space stuff. And I believe the supervillain stuff. Or the, the, the mad scientist stuff, rather.
2: Yes, that's that's for sure. I know that.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I think that some of it is, like... I know it kind of talks about it in some of the back matter, but I haven't read all of that stuff again. Um... They, I think there are definitely some cases where like two creators are kind of like teaming on, on a particular storyline. But I think in general, that's pretty much yeah. spot on.
1: I know sure. we'll get to the to the reveal of the Wicker Sue later. But like <laughs> Wade said that he did not tell any of the other writers that, that he like, wanted them to read that in the comic. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that lets you know that there is not. It wasn't like they were going over... Then they were going over broad strokes as a group, but at least by that mm-hmm. point, which is issue 12 or 13, whatever it is, like at that point, they were responsible for their own stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. And some I of those
0: know. make a lot of sense, yeah, because like Johns had been kind of shepherding Black Adam, Rucka had been writing Renee in Gotham Central, Grant, Morrison had written Animal Man before so a lot of those things just kind of make sense Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah okay issue two so uh ralph is investigating uh, his wife's tombstone and finds an inverted superman s symbol um which is meant to represent resurrection which we find out uh wonder girl is now leading sort of a at this point, it's a it's like an online Kryptonian prayer uh every night in Connor's honor. And um and so that we, we learn that there's something of a cult building around uh the death of Connor and the potential for resurrection. Um we also have uh, the question breaking in on a post-coital. Renee Montoya in this one, breaking into her apartment. Uh, and we have Will Magnus visiting Dr. T. Omaro. This is the Zach, you mentioned this, um, who's T. Omaro is currently in exile and has reason to believe that mad scientists are being round up uh the world over. And that's that Ties into the abduction of Dr. Savannah, which we saw from issue one. Also, watchman
0: energy there.
2: Big watchman energy. Um, Yeah, very much so. Um, This is also the first issue where we get a Dan Juergens uh, written and drawn history of the DCU, which runs through the next, this issue and the next nine after it. See, I'm Um, I'm reading this in trades. I've never read that stuff, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not going to spend too much time on it other than to... Actually, I may not even mention it from issue to issue, but what it does is it essentially retells the history of the DCU through Donna Troy um, basically uh, using Harbinger's recording orb that she was using after Crisis to see the story so far from from basically uh krona accidentally creating the antimatter world when krona tried to look back into the origins of of the universe up to uh just before 52 or like the fallout from infinite crisis so it covers that over over 10 uh, segments and i'm a sucker for jergen's art so like it was really fun to read this it's 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 kind of piffle it's just you know kind of like informational back matter basically there's not much
0: of a story there for people who have just read all of the events that are covered in this man it is
2: <laughs> yeah that's um, definitely for sure <laughs> um uh yeah yeah. Uh but I I like it. I like Jurgen's art and yeah. it was it was really nice. Um count, anything count else
1: from is, uh, sorry, Countdown is something similar in the back matter. I'm just saying.
0: Okay. Yeah. I actually um, think that the backups those backups from uh, 52 and Countdown got uh collected together at some point.
2: Um, probably. That that sounds right. Sounds like something that would happen. The one thing that the that the the history of the DCU backup accomplishes is that at the very end, um, a new monitor is introduced, or a member of the monitors um, is introduced in the last one. Um, so yeah, that's probably all, all I'll say about those. Um, anything else on issue two of fifty two?
1: Um, I know. like
2: the mad scientist stuff. I th- I think that's a really intriguing plot. I have to say, I actually think all these plots are really
0: intriguing. All of these plots are good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they are. I, I think maybe later on that will change a little bit. But for now, I was not getting frustrated when when the story that you were most interested in didn't show up in an issue or showed up, you know, tangentially in an issue.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing here that sticks out like a sore thumb where you're like, oh, God, I wish they'd get out. You know, there's no 50 Sue, <laughs> <laughs> right, to make, a, to make an early DC3 cast. And to make an allusion to a future uh, project. Oh, God. Oh, God, we're doing that. That's right. Okay.
0: Do you mean my secret six pitch? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes. Oh Yeah. Um, All right. Issue three. The the issue three opens with the Gotham City Police Department discovering a dead Lex Luthor. Uh, The living Lex Luthor comes in and declares it a dupe from another Earth uh, that's been responsible for all of his crimes all along, including the 40 cakes one. Um, It was all (laughs) it's been all this guy all along.
1: Uh, a likely it's, story. It's a pretty genius idea for Luther to have.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's great. Um, and uh, also we see a Black Adam being propositioned by Intergang uh, trying to get access to his country. Um, he murders one of the Intergang members, Noose, uh, in response. Also rips apart Terra Man later in this issue as kind of a demonstration to the world that he means business. Um, and we also see that Steele is deciding to send uh, Natasha to summer school, which basically puts her further puts her hero life on hold, which is kind of the conflict that's going on between those two. And that's issue three. Um, anything from that we want to highlight
0: or that I forgot? Um, did you mention Adriana?
2: I didn't mention her. Uh, Adriana Tomaz. Yeah. Black Adams. Yeah. So this is where she shows up for the first time in this series. Kind of uh, offered to Black Adam, right? As some sort of skeevy. Yeah. Skeevy, uh yep.
0: by by intergang yeah yeah yes um, um
2: she'll she, be important she becomes a very important character yeah yes oh.
0: uh um I, I, I wanted sorry go ahead zach oh, go ahead no you go well i i one small dumb thing don't you think Careman looks like a um uh east of west character <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: yes yes absolutely okay. oh one yeah. wonderful <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful realization there. I, I, yeah,
1: I wouldn't have thought of that. What I was going to um, say is in the back matter here, we get in the first 13 issues at least twice Greg Rucca takes a swipe at uh, the artists. <laughs> um, here he bitches and moans about how there was a character that was supposed to be drawn. One of the characters that finds the dead Luthor is drawn as Crispus Allen. Even though it's yes. clearly not Christmas Allen.
2: Isn't Christmas Allen dead at this point?
1: Christmas is dead and the Spectre at this point. Yeah. Um so it's it's not him. And then he also points out that there is a um there's a street cart that's knocked over for a guy named Mr. Euro. But when his cart is knocked over, hot dogs fall out. <laughs> <laughs> um and I just think like it, it is just being very uh I mean I'm sure he's I'm sure he thinks he's joking around, but it comes off as pretty harsh for his uh, collaborator, uh, Joe Bennett here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that goes to show you, I think, how complex and difficult a project like this can be. Mm-hmm. And I'm also surprised that's not something they fixed in trade. They
1: kind there, of fixed the Christmas Island thing.
2: Things. Like, they,
1: they, def- they definitely change... So they they changed the name from Alan to somebody else, obviously, but I okay. believe I believe it was always I believe the name was always not Alan, but it looked like him. And I believe they slightly altered his appearance to make it not so clearly
2: Christmas Alan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Zach, what were you gonna say? You gonna say something?
0: Oh, I was just gonna say I've I found a few like weird errors, and I was surprised that they didn't fix in the trade, like um. There's one thing that comes to mind. I don't. I don't remember what issue it's in. It's when it's a Black Adam scene where, um, the dialogue in two captions are is exactly the same. It's like they they copied in the dialogue twice. Hmm. Um. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Gotta think. Gotta think that something of a time crunch went into that. Um, I'm sure. We should. We should mention Steve Wacker was the editor of this. I yeah, really we didn't mention that, did we? Yeah. Um, who would go on to do Marvel things, Spider Man things.
0: I believe this yeah, is the last good. thing
1: he edited at DC. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. He he would go on to like do kind of like one of like the best recent eras of eras of Marvel with the like the uh not brand new day, big time uh Spider Man stuff and um or did he he might have done brand new day too i think he did yeah and i, think, I he, think so yeah and, and like the rucka or not rucka the like wade um, daredevil and the rucka punisher i think that was all wacker too mhm
2: yeah that tracks that that certainly makes sense yeah um okay so 52 issue four at this point renee is working for the question though she's not quite sure why yet um booster meanwhile is shilling shilling himself basically very obviously um like pasting brands all over his costume and uh, making his making his heroics very public um in the wake of the missing trinity Um, uh, Halo from the Outsiders is monitoring Zeta beam patterns that end up dropping Alan Scott, Harold, Bumblebee, Hawkgirl, and, uh, Cyborg and Firestorm who are like melded together, drops them in like in incredibly mangled fashion. So like Alan Scott's bleeding. Like I said, a couple of heroes are fused together. Um, And these were all the missing space heroes um, that we saw is
1: 25 feet tall.
2: Hawker is 25 feet tall. And so like in the next issue, we'll see her on a stretcher outside of a hospital. They can't fit her into. Um, Yeah. So intriguing mystery there. We also see Ralph, uh basically going on a vision quest with the cult of connor kent led by cassie sandsmark and uh he he goes into this like water bath goes under the water comes out and wakes up alone nobody's nobody's around and that's how the issue ends anything i missed there anything you guys want to talk about it was Um, nice to see halo again yeah this is the beginning
1: of Steel experiencing some weird effects of his body. Um, you know, hair where there wasn't hair before, et cetera. No, um, he. <laughs> you know, sorry, it's fur. That's a Simpsons reference. Uh, that's the. That's like the rabbit video they're watching. The yeah trip, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. No, he he's starting to like. He's starting to have physical changes to his, to his appearance, and he can't figure out why yet that's the only plot thing I think you missed.
2: Okay. Um, all right. Issue five. Um, so it opens with Alan Scott, the recently, uh, dropped on earth, Alan Scott, uh, visiting Ellen Baker to tell her about what happened to buddy and some of the other space heroes who didn't come back on the Zeta beam. um, we also have Lex making the announcement that he is going to, again, in the wake of the Trinity kind of leaving, he's going to try to create super citizens. So anybody will, anybody, any normie will have the ability to become a superhero or get superpowers. Um, trying to make, trying to put humans on a level playing field with the metahumans. Um, Uh, the aforementioned uh, 25 foot tall hawk girl is uh, injured and being treated we also get a uh, apparently comatose mal duncan suddenly waking up and saying it's coming it's coming 52 52 (laughs) and which is that that's that's so funny to me because like this is where the Dan DiDio obsession with the number 52, I feel, yes. starts. Like, this is the origin story of that, right?
0: I, there's all there's a very, I think it's a, it's in the early, like, Def John's Green Lantern, and there's, like, a scene that always sticks out in my mind where they, there's the, the Guardians are talking, and then at the end of the scene, they all just say 52 at the same time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, um, very
0: very important yeah. number. We'll find out its true
2: significance in this story later, yeah. but... We should also say that Mal uh, Duncan
1: has at least part of the Red Tornado fused with him. Ah, yes. Yep, and he's so, another
2: one of the fused... Uh...
1: Yeah, what he's saying, all the things he's saying are the last things the Red Tornado said before his destruction.
0: Yes. All the things she said, all the things she said, <laughs> through my head. Oh, boy.
2: Uh, you know that one, Brian?
0: No, I don't. What was that? Whoa! I Maybe was, I know uh, it's all the things she said.
2: Yeah. What? What is it? Tattoo. Uh huh. Yeah. It's a, it's a song by Tattoo. Oh yeah, I know that song. Okay. Sure. Yeah, you, you got it. You're there. You're, you're with us. Um. And let's see. Okay, we also see Adam Strange for the first time, who is uh, well, he and Buddy Baker and Starfire are alive on some. World, some strange world that's being described by them as a paradise. Starfire calls it heaven, I believe. It's a weird Correct. thing to say, but um Adam Strange is also eyeless at this point. His eyes are. Yeah.
1: We should also mention that up. Alan Scott lost an eye in this space battle as well. So, multiple... oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah. He's. They actually mentioned in the back how it's hilarious how he's wearing a mask but also wearing an eye patch under the mask.
0: <laughs> and th- yep. they also say one of the eye that he has isn't his, yes, right? Yes, correct.
1: Yeah, it's somebody else's eye. Probably Buddy's. Oh, gross. Um,
0: or you mean Adam. Adams?
1: Sorry, Adams. I'm sorry, yes.
0: Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember there being, like, some sexual tension between... Buddy and Starfire in the series, but I did not remember that, like, the first time we see them on this planet, like, Starfire is just bathing in front of both of them.
2: Oh, yeah. She's, she's butt ass naked in this thing. Like, I guess that's where that starts for Starfire, too. Like, I, what, I don't know. Was she, was she that, was she depicted that way before? That was a big New 52 thing.
0: It, it was, was, yeah.
2: Um, I, I want to say that she was.
1: Not as sexualized before this. So thanks, Grant.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so that's issue five. Uh, issue six. This is a big one. I remember the discourse around issue six, the, the online discourse, like it was yesterday, because this is the issue where booster happens upon Rip Hunter's chalkboard. I'm sorry. That can I say is... one
1: thing, Vince? I'm sorry I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, that's uh, fine. The last issue also introduced uh St. Calamus, which is the hospital for metahumans. Oh. That uh would carry on for a few years. That's
2: all. all sorry. Right. No, that's fine. Um so anyway, yeah, the uh Rip Hunter's chalkboard. This was like it's loaded with phrases and symbols and easter eggs for things that are going to be important later in the story later in the dcu uh we just a couple of choice phrases that we see on there uh world war three four horsemen time masters time servants infinity inc there's a ton there's a ton on there there's like 50 different things on there um 52 even maybe even um (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh but i remember the internet just like picking this thing apart and trying to figure out what it all meant and i think some of them turn out to be red herrings or plans that had changed i can't remember exactly how that it all worked out but th- this is like vince nip it's maybe dc3 nip to like have these we've we talk about them like jeff johns oh, yeah. used to do them too these pages where um, he would tease things that were going to happen in the next year of comics, and you you just waited to see where all this stuff would get dropped later on. Yeah. Um,
1: so Wade yeah. said in the back matter that despite their best intentions, they never got around to addressing 2,000 years from now, or what is Spanner's
2: Galaxy? <laughs> yeah, so some of them ended up being,
0: yeah um it's also funny like this was like right around the same time that um lost was taking off and kind of like tv online discourse was becoming a thing um and this just like plays right into that
2: oh yeah yeah this very much has the same like mystery box feel to it yeah yeah um Yeah, so uh, in this issue, we also figure out that Booster is paying villains for, like, wrestling-style hero opportunities. Um, Part of kind of, like, the the scandalous arc of Boosters in this uh, series so far. This is also where the Green Lanterns are in China going after Evil Star, and they run into China's hero team, the Great Ten, uh, as the first appearance. Yeah, first appearance of the Great Ten, um, which I love. I love those characters. Um, you don't see much of them, or, or or really, you don't get to meet them all. But um, but I just I just like that idea. I think that's a great expansive thing that DC hasn't done enough with.
0: They, uh, they also name drop the super young team. And this is yes, too. They do. Um, also, this is before. How uh, Jordan. Becomes a prisoner of war. Because he didn't wear his Green Lantern ring. And <laughs> it's why he didn't show up. For most of 52.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so they're stopped by Black Adam. Because. Black Adam is in something of a coalition with China at this point, as he's trying to like amass his international cred, but uh, but not with Russia apparently, because once they get over Russian airspace, the Rocket Reds show up to help the Green Lanterns kind of get out of this tussle. Um. And yeah, I think I think that's it for issue six. Anything more specific you guys want to say?
1: No, you know this is um, like we said—the beginning of the Great Ten stuff. It's also the beginning of seeing sort of what Black Adam's plan is. That plan will change when Adriana becomes a bigger part of his life. But you start to see sort of a better idea of what his vision for conduct and for the world are. You know, is.
2: Hmm. Yep. Um. So issue seven. Um, uh, this is where Starfire Starfire runs into Devolence the Pursuer, who is on this strange planet that they're on. Um, this
0: fucking hot. To,
2: <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Or, or very obviously, like a a Kirby. Well, we find out that it is like a an a. It's a new, new god character. Yeah, it's a new god's character. Um, but you know, very Kirby. Actually, probably some of my favorite art is the Devil and the Pursuer stuff in these early issues because I think it is a, a, it it looks like a pretty great Kirby, um, yes, rendition. And, uh, and I think it's just a fun, you know, this giant hulking Kirby figure, um, kind of terrorizing them on this, on this weird world. I, I just like that stuff. Um, this is also where Renee, who's still working for the question, meets up with Kate Kane for the first time in this comic at this like Kane family charity thing, Shindig. Um, and the I have to say the Renee Montoya, Kate Kane stuff from here on out, at least in these first 13 issues, is extremely horny. <laughs> it's it's the horniest stuff that this series has right now.
0: Um, which is saying something.
2: Which is saying something, especially with the Starfire bit. Yes. Um, but yeah, it gets it gets very it gets very hard. Every everything is about how hot Kate Kane is. <laughs> um, Rucka mentions in uh, in the
1: back matter for I think it's maybe the next issue, a bit of dialogue that he wrote that was declared like too risque. Ooh. Uh, what is there any? Oh, he he tells you exactly what it is. Yeah. Hang on, let me let me find it here. Um, it's the I, I believe it's the ne- is the next issue where we see Kate like come to the
2: park to talk to them. I believe that I believe that story picks up in a couple issues. I don't think we see Renee at all in the next one.
1: Okay. Well, regardless, so they meet up there, and um, hang on, I'm, I'm getting there. So uh, Charlie, the question, says to her. No, really, that was smooth. No wonder when fo- women are falling all over themselves for you. Hey, I've got an idea. Why don't we double date sometime? The line originally was Charlie saying, No, really, why don't you just tell her you faked all your orgasms while you were at it?
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> couldn't get that one through. Huh? No, couldn't get it through. Yeah. Sorry, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also see Booster get caught because uh, I forget which villain it was that he was paying. I can tell you here. Give me a second. Keep
0: but talking. anyway, yeah. Is anyway, that like metal metal man guy yeah, who, who wasn't well, even like a real villain. He was like an actor who he yes. gave a suit to. Right, right. Exactly. Like,
2: yeah. Um. I just forget who it's supposed to be. But but anyway, like the, the kayfabe that was going on in the in the issue before gets found out. And. Basically, Booster's reputation gets wrecked in front of a bunch of reporters and a crowd. And then Ralph just like lays into him because because earlier Ralph had confronted Booster about, you know, if you can see the future and you know what's going to happen, why didn't you why don't you prevent heroes from dying? Why do not you prevent my wife from getting from what happened to her? You know what? Like you're selfish, focused on yourself. You don't you don't look to see what's going on with all of us. And you know, boosters like, well, stuff like that doesn't occur to me, blah blah blah. You know. Mantrax, then... by the way. man Man-trax. Mantrax, that's right. Yeah. Which yes, is a great name. A great name, yeah. Um and and Ralph is like brutal to Booster, not undeservedly so either, you know. Um but basically basically tears him apart as a hero reputation wise in front of in front of the world, essentially. And that's where this issue ends. Um, anything you want to stop me or? Well, we should take a break here
1: in a second. Um, oh, but, yeah. Should we? But I, I do want to say that I think it's interesting that there's sort of parallel tracks in this series where as we see Ralph get his shit together and start to be a better detective, we're seeing Booster fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so th- this is where those two points connect. But we we see those same trajectories going on after this. Yeah, absolutely. Zach, anything?
0: Mm, no. All right.
1: Well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss issues eight through thirteen of fifty two.
0: Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow and iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All
2: right, issue eight. So um, we see another argument between uh, John Henry and Natasha, who um, ends up enrolling in the Lex Luthor Everyman super project thing. The superhuman project thing i mentioned earlier um we also get ollie and ralph investigating the cult of connor uh going to one of their safe houses um it's a good bit that's yes. a good bit i love the the ollie ollie's so great ollie's just great in this he was like the only good thing about identity crisis um He's just a great pal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we also see that a mystery hero is stealing Booster's thunder in the in the wake of Booster's uh, public downfall, and we get Devolence the Pursuer trapping Adam Strange and Animal Man now, along with Starfire, and that's where this issue ends.
0: There's a weird bit in this issue where Natasha is, like, doing some welding and, like, metal slag flies and, like, the (laughs) panel, like, closes in on, like, a very tight shot of her very, like, robust cleavage getting, like, metal slag. Like, it's, it's hit with metal slag. It's very weird.
2: It's very weird. And I was, like, I was... Not that it would have been any better, honestly, but I was begging for like a editor's box that said, "Don't worry, she's 18. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, not that that's any, but like you know what I'm saying, like yeah, yeah, they're playing, they're playing fast and loose here with like <laughs> everything. I guess I, yeah, I did not
0: like yeah. that part. It was weird. Not uh, neat.
2: I have a
1: note about that uh, again. Rucka throwing uh, artists under the bus here. He says in the back matter, quote, as a side note, the script called for Natasha to be wearing a welder's apron so as to appear at least responsible enough to forgo appropriate safety gear while working with it." Basically, he's saying that he wrote that in there so you could figure out on your own why an artist or editor might decide not to go with that particular direction.
2: Uh-huh. Well,
0: it's, it's weird because in the opening scene of the book, she's welding and she is wearing not an apron, but like overalls. Yeah, wow, that's right. Yes. Um Eddie Barrows, and...
2: by the way, was on that
0: one. Yeah. Sorry, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I uh,
1: I guess part of that uh part of that might be to show like the similarity between her getting a hot ember on her chest and then Steele's chest starting to like burst out of its uh Shirt because he's going through the change.
0: I, yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> I don't mean menopause. A lot by of the way. mixed,
0: yeah. a lot of mixed messaging in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh boy. Yeah. Oh well. Um. All right. So yeah that that was issue eight. Um, issue nine is Natasha actually getting into a physical fight with Steel at this point. As a costumed, uh, green and purple costumed member of Luthor's superhuman team, which will um, eventually
1: be called Infinity Inc.
2: Yes, yep. Oh, spoiler alert, Brian. Jeez, it's not an important plot point. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. We're spoiling this whole damn thing. Yeah. Um. Yes, Infinity Inc. Um. We also. Have the here the here the space heroes making their escape from Devil the Pursuer. Um, we get the question meeting Renee out of costume at a, I believe this is the first time he reveals himself out of costume to her, correct? Um, yep, and they're at a gay bar, um, discussing that inter gang is coming to Gotham City, and this is where the inter gang. B- black Adam story kind of starts to bleed over into the question stuff, uh, a little bit. And as they're, as they're discussing that Batwoman is watching them from above. And I believe this is the first appearance of the modern
1: Batwoman. Yes. And, uh, again, people throwing artists under the bus. Giffen, Giffen said that this was supposed to be in silhouette. Ah. That her reveal was not supposed to be until later, but, uh, oops.
2: Whoops. That's interesting. I love, I love that you, I'm glad you read this back matter stuff. Cause yeah. I-, I didn't get any of that. Um, I- I'll be reading
1: this in trades. So I'll be the back matter boy for future weeks as well. Back matter boy. Zach, what are you going
2: to be? You're the good boy. No, that's
1: yeah, fine. sure. That's good He's the that's matter
2: eating lad. <laughs> um all right uh issue 10 um this is a black adam is continuing to build his alliance with other nations we see a little more from uh adriana Tomas, who's she, she's like very much resisting black adam at this point kind of like talking about how his methods are all wrong whatever but you can kind of tell there's like the beginnings of the Stockholm syndrome type thing going on where like, um, warming up a little bit to black Adam, at least you can, you can tell the hint of something is there. Um, also, also this issue. I love this part. This is a really good bit. Um, Clark Kent is about to be fired at the daily planet. Um, Perry White's talking about how unfocused he's become, how he's not. It's like he's forgotten how to become a uh, forgotten how to be a reporter uh, after all these years. And meanwhile, there's this superhero out there. That's this mystery superhero that's stealing Booster's Thunder um, that they don't have a story about yet. And so (laughs) like in the middle of about to uh, getting fired, Clark jumps out the window and I, I love that bit because, you know, Superman would obviously always be there to save somebody jumping out the window, and here it's Superman himself doing it. And um, getting caught by this mystery hero who we find out. I don't know if we find out in this issue that they're named Supernova or not. We, do.
0: I think we do because the newspaper, like, names him. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, I wasn't quite
1: detailed enough
2: to...
0: May know
1: I speak that. about this scene for a second? Absolutely. When did this comic come out? It was 2006, right?
0: Yeah. Cover date for it. Is, well, it's not on here. It's in the <laughs> digital version. Uh, uh, so I think it's
1: 06. Because the reason I'm saying that is, so I I had texted you boys in Lad's chat the other night that I had just bought for, for a very affordable price the Donner Cut of Superman 2 um, on Amazon Prime. And... There's a scene that happens in the Donner cut that does not happen in um, the regular cut of the movie where Lois Lane figures out like five minutes into the movie that Clark is Superman and she's so sure of it. She throws herself out the window because she knows he'll catch her Mm -hmm. and he doesn't. He runs down to the street and uses his heat vision to unfurl an awning to catch her essentially and uses his super breath to lighten her fall. But essentially, she does the exact same thing Clark does here. So I'm trying to figure out if Wade had seen the Donner cut before doing John's, this.
2: John's, I bet. I bet John's had that little bit. Oh, that John's, would be my guess.
1: John's did work for uh, Richard, Donner, Richard Donner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah and the, Although the Donner says, cut came out later in 2006. Okay. So it, it would have been after this scene.
1: Um, but Rucka does say in the back matter here that that was entirely written by Wade, that sequence.
2: Oh, okay. So, well, you know, if they're all working at DC, surely they got the Donner cut before everybody else. Right. Or the, uh, Wade
1: is a big enough Superman fan. He might have had a copy of the script, like the original script of Superman 2, for years, you know? Sure. Um, I could see that. But anyway, I, I'm not saying he necessarily stole that, but it's a very similar sequence.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a very it's a very similar sequence, but, you know, there's enough of a twist there that... that... Oh, yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah, it's a very it's well-written great. scene, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then the other thing from issue 10 is um, Dr. Magnus is bringing uh, Ti Maro, the empty cocoon from Dr. Savannah's lab. I think we all know what that is. Um, anything else from issue 10?
0: And anybody who's watched the after credit scene, too, Shazam knows, yes. knows who it is yes
2: yes yes exactly (laughs) um yeah okay issue 11 um so ralph figures out that the cult of connor has stolen some of he and sue's stuff from one of their safe houses or warehouses or whatever um and essentially creates a wicker sue or like an effigy of sue with the intent on resurrecting her. A very creepy, very creepy imagery in that one. Um, we also have the the question and Renee breaking in on Intergang um, after they link them to Kandak. Um Whisper Adair captures them, and Batwoman ends up rescuing them. Um, oh, in my notes here I wrote, the question Batwoman stuff is very horny. Um, but it's, it's been horny before and it will continue to be. So um, I I think we
1: should say that the Kate Kane Batwoman costume is one of the best costumes DC has done in the 21st century, uh, designed by Alex Ross, actually. Um, but I hate this bit of dialogue, but it's like, it's narration. Uh, uh, Renee is saying, that's not Batgirl. That's, that's a Batwoman like it's just such a weird bit of
2: dialogue for her to say that's probably what prompted me to write that it's horny actually yeah i I probably had enough at that point (laughs) yeah that's a that's a very weird yeah yeah but yes great costume great great character great revival of an old concept and turning it into something novel and new
1: yeah can i can i talk Um, about the back matter here for a second again
2: Dude go off man. So DiDio gets uh, the back matter
1: here and he talks about how um, you know that Kate Kane was introduced here and that it was a big deal that she was a lesbian not because they hadn't done lesbians before because Renee Montoya is a lesbian, but because she was a lesbian wearing the bat symbol. And uh, so while the bat so while the quote real world may not know Renee, they would know somebody wearing a bat symbol. And uh, I did not realize this, but apparently there was some controversy because the deal was mentioned in a New York Times article, and they used the phrase lipstick lesbian, but attributed oh, it to him. Oh, and no. So he, he claimed that he had never heard that phrase before, um, uh, but he said that they got over a 1,000 emails about the introduction of Kate Kane, and they were 50-50 positive-negative about her sexuality. Hmm. I feel like if you had done that today... It would have been a far less even mix. But unfortunately, some comic fans would still email the bitch about
2: it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I believe Dan when I, when he says I he never heard of that before. <laughs> I mean, Tom Brennerman claims
1: he had never used the word he used on the air <laughs> ever before in his life. He's 52 years old. He had never used it before. So, yes, you know, yeah. we'll see.
2: Yeah, you're right. I, I'd like to give uh, DiDio the benefit of the doubt, though, because after he got let go by DC, he did have um, a, a very diverse crowd of, of writers and creators saying that Dan always stood up for them and championed oh, them. I'm, oh, I'm teasing. I'm I, know, te- I know, I'm teasing Danny I Day. I know. I know, yeah. I know, I know. That's what, you just give me crap all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like to think I believe him on that one. Um, all right, issue 12, are we good to move on?
1: Zach, you have anything to say about issue 11?
2: Mm-mm.
0: You're a quiet boy tonight. Quiet over there. Oh, I've been very talkative tonight.
2: Are you nursing another a third drink? No, over th- oh. I
0: can't do that. I cannot do that. <laughs> if, the if that you're... woman costume is very good. Um, <laughs> I, I like... The later incarnation with like the porcelain skin i think that the like jh williams design mm-hmm. specifically is what like really really cements it as like one of the classics um but it's it's good here too yeah
2: yeah i, I agree um okay issue 12 uh so um At the beginning of this, Maggie Sawyer gets a little bit on uh, Renee Montoya's case about sticking her nose in the inner gang stuff, considering Renee is not a member of the police force anymore. Um, Nor a licensed
1: PI, which multiple characters bring up to her.
2: (laughs) Yep, yep. Um, Meanwhile, uh, Adriana begins involving herself more in the Kandaki affairs. Um, and Black Adam ends up offering her the power of ISIS, not not ISIL, <laughs> not the Islamic State, but ISIS. Um, and that's let's talk about the let's talk about the 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 Black Adam family, Marvel family stuff that they're building because Brian, you're the expert on this stuff.
0: Um,
2: sure. Th- th- that was not really a part of DC up until now, right? Well, okay. So there's a couple of things
1: to mention here. Um, There was the Shazam and ISIS hour, which was a TV show in the seventies, but ISIS was not necessarily in the comics at that point that I'm sure there was an ISIS character at some point, but she was not, she was not the partner or foil of Black Adam, the way that she is here. Um, You know, and uh, I'm looking it up right now. I just want to double-check this. Um, Yeah, it was... um, I don't believe the character had much to do in the comics before then. Um, You know, sort of introduced as, as a TV character... I could be wrong. I am I'm honestly I'm the Shazam expert post crisis. Um mm-hmm. but you know I I'm I'm relatively certain that the character did not have a ton. Oh no, look at this. Okay. In Shazam number 25 from 1976 uh she showed up in the comics, but that was after the TV show had started. So but she, but she was not she was not uh Black Adam related at all. Okay. She, she was just like a Shazam kind of character. Um okay. but so yeah, and like we had said before, this is, you know, at, at this point Black Adam is becoming a more nuanced character. He is he's more of an anti-hero than a villain or even a flat-out hero at points. Um but the, I think the most interesting part about this is that this is the point where the Wizard Shazam is dead and so Billy Batson is living in the Rock of Eternity and is going insane. And yeah. So, so he's we, a
0: little he's a little nutty with it. Yeah. He is. <laughs> yes.
1: Um. And so we see a comp like and it's it's not totally clear here whether he would have supported Black Adam in doing this if he hadn't been a little nutty, or if his lack of control over himself is what allows him to allow Black Adam to grant the power of ISIS, although at least up until this point everything with isis seems she seems like a much better person and a better person to use the power than black adam himself does Hmm. you know she cares about about the the average man more than he does
0: she uh, you made me say it she cares about man's pain (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's great yeah yeah that's a good call and i i i love that stuff i think that's all really well done i think it's the sort of thing that man this era is full of that kind of stuff like reimaginings um stuff that would set the foundation for for st- things that we know about these characters today in a way that I don't really feel like. As good as some of the stuff when Rebirth started was, It's it was very much putting things back in place that weren't there anymore. There's not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot I feel that, that's going to define the characters in any way that we're going to be fond of years from now. We've talked about how Wally West is always going to be pinned with the um, Heroes in Crisis stuff now. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: But I can't think of too many things in the post-rebirth era that we're going to be, like, nostalgic for that will carry forward about these characters.
1: No, I mean, I would hope that, like, some of the stuff Priest did in Deathstroke will carry over, but I I have no delusions that it will.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. right, right. Um, he already he already appears to be more of like a v- novelty villain side character right. again. In the in the wake of that, can we talk about the cover to this issue for a second? Yeah,
1: go so go off in the back matter again. JG Jones talks about creating this cover, and he says that if you guys can both just pull it up so you can see it and listen there, please pull it up as well. Uh-huh. Black Adam is like uh, he's flying and he's holding Isis in his arms. And he he made them essentially create a yin and yang symbol with him being the black and her being the white. And if I hadn't been pointed that out, I would not have noticed it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's 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 a pretty great um. It's a, it's a pretty
2: great cover. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's a it's a really nice cover. Yeah.
1: It's Vince is trying to crack me up <laughs> by putting stuff in the chat and. Uh... I'm not gonna give into it. So you didn't have to say that. <laughs> well, I paused for
2: a second. I wanted to explain my pause. So okay. Um no, it is a great cover though. It's it's man, all these covers are so great. Um I would love to see them without trade I mean dress? I'm sure you I'm sure you can somewhere. Without the trade dress, without the they they one thing that this series does is it pastes a lot of text over the covers there's Mm -hmm. like there's like a question on every cover there's like a you know plus the origin of wonder woman or plus the history of the dcu and then there's like a ticker tape that runs over the bottom too and the ticker tape is not very invasive i think the covers look great and i think it's a great like it's eye-catching to have all this stuff on there but i would like to see the pure image of a lot of these Mm -hmm. without that stuff um yeah, so, yeah. Thanks for pointing that out. Um, and then we also get—I love this moment—we get um, at the very end Ralph confronting Cassie about the incident with the Sue effigy that he found. And I had forgotten this because, like, you you think that Ralph is gonna lay into her, but in the end, he ends up saying, "I wanna, I wanna help you get her back." Because, of course, that's what this is all about for him. So if there's any if there's any promise of him getting his wife back, that's that's what he wants at this point, um, which I thought was a, pre- a pretty powerful moment at the end of this one.
1: Yeah, that scene is slightly sullied for me. Because for absolutely no reason, Cassie takes her top off. Yes, ah, yeah, yeah. That's so another weird. She's she's wearing she's, like
0: she's wearing something underneath, though. But yes, it's still but like, weird. so, so yeah. she's she's
1: wearing a, a black tank up underneath a green T shirt. But she takes off the green T shirt and then she's like putting on a sweatshirt. And I guess that's just to give her character something to do in the scene, so she isn't just sitting across from Ralph. But like, if that was a male character, they would never do that scene. Right. It's it's a pretty pervy scene for no reason.
2: It's especially weird because she's she's like taking it off, but as Zach said, she's essentially she's taking off like a t shirt and is essentially wearing a t shirt underneath. Right. Fucking so it's like bad not even... over
1: here, am I right? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Who himself is a resurrected corpse. Um <laughs>
1: Uh, he is what my cousin Chris would call a river corpse. A corpse has been floating <laughs> in a river for a few days, so loaded, yeah yeah, awesome yeah, yeah, wow. very good.
2: Um, by the way, that scene is also courtesy of um Eddie Barrows, so yep, it seems to be a theme there. Uh,
0: Eddie.
2: Uh, I, don't, I don't notice that stuff in his modern work, but maybe maybe I'm just not thinking of it or missing it. It was um, a different time, Vince it was a different time it was a horny time um this also has an origin of wonder woman backup now that the history of the dcu stuff ended uh written by mark wade art from adam hughes and it's it's just i think two pages long um but the adam hughes art is really nice and it's a nice distillation Uh, it's stuff that everybody knows but you know i don't hate that it's thrown in the back here um all right, and the final issue, issue 13. Well, the final issue we're talking about tonight, anyway. Um, I I really like this issue. It opens up with Ralph and some of the other Justice Leaguers kind of covertly, uh, they're all wearing hoods. They've snuck in with the cult of Connor, and they're watching the ritual that's going to bring Sue back. And... Ralph just feels like he needs his buds there at that time to, to, you know, see whether this is all real or not, investigate what's going on here. And for a brief moment, it appears that Sue is alive or at least reaching out in some form, reaching out to Ralph. I believe she says his name a couple times, or at least this like, she says, help me,
1: I believe too.
2: Okay. Yeah. And it's like, crawling towards him or like reaching for him um kind of a horrifying scene if you think about it
1: oh it's absolutely horrifying it's
2: it's pretty dark yeah the 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 heroes kind of tear the place down when they 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 kind of think like oh this is all hogwash and they kind of disrupt the ceremony um and meanwhile while this is all going down like the, the, the place is crumbling all around them Ralph disappears at one point, and before the scene ends, we see him clutching onto this effigy of Sue, uh, just saying, like, we're going to try again, we're going to tr- try again, try again, just repeatedly kind of catatonically saying this over and over again. Um, goes from, like, creepy to almost, like, heartbreaking, really. Yes,
0: I, I but think that's still I, also creepy.
2: Still creepy, yeah. But very well done in that way, like, yeah. like, yeah. The, the The torment is is palpable at this point.
1: Did either of you guys watch the show Six Feet Under?
2: Mm, mm. A little bit. You
1: you should both watch it. It's excellent. But there's there's a a character dies in the. uh I think it's the end of the third season, beginning of the fourth season. It doesn't really matter. But there's a there's a scene where. The spouse of the dead character is running through a graveyard, like going for a run, and a dog starts following him, and he's like struck with grief, and he makes himself believe that the dog is his dead wife talking to him mm. because just like when you're when you're depressed and you're susceptible to ideas whatever you will you will stretch credulity to feel something right, and so I feel like this is a great example of Ralph just like regular rational I mean, Hal does in this issue like you're the most rational guy i know like ralph would not be the person you'd think would be falling for this but he's so hurting right now that he'll fall for anything right
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know if you mentioned this vince but the the characters that he brings with him are specifically like justice league people who have died and come back or who have like a connection to the afterlife in zaril's case which is a Oh An yeah, good point. Yep. it's yeah.
1: Zoriel, Hal, um, Metamorpho, and uh, Ollie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah,
0: it's good yeah. stuff.
2: Cool. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the the only other thing that really happens in this issue is um, Isis and Black Adam are the uh, the they're going around breaking up like child slavery operations. And they're also looking for ISIS's brother uh, who will play a, an important role later in this. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's really the only other major thing that happens in this issue. I think
0: Um in the like three pages of the black Adam ISIS segment on, on the second page, third panel. Um, Isn't that like, just trademark Greg Capullo face.
2: <laughs> hang on. Uh hang on. Which, which which page is it?
0: So it's the the third page of the Black Adam ISIS section. Or I'm sorry, the second page.
2: You know, I thought that even about like on the second page where you first see um Ralph, like with his hood off. Uh huh.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the I thought eyes. that was
2: it's the yeah. eyes and, and like, the
1: smile, the like the dimples almost caused by the smiles. Yes.
2: Yeah, I thought that too, and yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying, Zach. That's yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, this is this is all very Capullo. Those mouths too of the kids are they're very Chuck Jones, <laughs> like the, the animator. You know, yeah. like they look they look like Whoville, Whos. Um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Todd Nock and, and Capullo. I, I never put that together before, but I think so. Well,
0: it's funny because it's not even like an inker that is shared between them or anything. I don't know Marlo Alquiza has ever worked with on any of like the modern Capullo works that we would be familiar with. So. I mean,
1: they're both sort of from the same generation of artists.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But, but if you think
2: about the Todd Knox stuff that we read in previous crossovers with Young Justice, I, maybe if I go back, I'll think that now. But at the time, I certainly didn't make that Mm -hmm. connection. Yeah. But now, now I feel like it's super, now I'm seeing it, I'm paging through this right now, and I'm just seeing it everywhere. That's interesting. Comics are cool. (laughs) That, the last page of Ralph clutching that that Sioux effigy like man that could be a Capullo drawing the the stubble and everything like that's Mm. that oh man that's wild I'm gonna have to look at some more knock art from see if I've been missing it this whole time um the, this issue has an origin of Elongated Man written by Mark Wade, art from Kevin Nolan. And the main reason I want to talk about this is just that at the end of these um, origin stories, they have these essential storylines that you're supposed to read <laughs> um, r- regarding the character. And Ralph, poor Ralph, has like the most pathetic one I've ever seen. <laughs> You're, you're supposed to read showcase presents the elongated man, which I assume are the old detective comics, um, strips from, I think it was the silver age. Um, and then identity crisis (laughs) and that's it. That's Ralph Dibney in a nutshell. Um, poor guy. And that's it. That's, that's issue 13. Um, and that's it for this week. Anything I missed? Anything we want to talk about? This was really good. These 13 issues were so much easier to get through than like a comparable 13 issue load from like a previous event we may have done. (laughs) I I felt like this was just so breezy all the way through. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I, I
0: agree. Yeah.
1: I wonder if that's because you're just getting so much less of you're getting you're getting a lot of story like you talked about, but you're not you know there's not a lot of slog with this because if you're bored of something, two pages later, you're done with it.
2: Yeah. And there's there's no tie-ins that are tangentially related. If there's any moment in this thing that's not super meaningful to the plot, Like you said, it's it's over so you're not reading a whole tie-in that's not integral to the plot. You're reading a page or two that may or may not turn out to be integral, you know? Right. It's yeah. It's it's so easy to read for a for a project like this. And and frankly, it's it's just it's just enjoyable, even if it's you know, even if it is just plot. I think I think from like big two, Cape and Cowell comics, it's some of my favorite stuff. It's it's certainly a format that I wish. Man, it's like so close to, the format that we that we talk about on the show sometimes that we want, where like uh, uh you know they publish a Superman anthology that maybe comes out once or twice a month. But it's got all the Superman family stuff in it, you know, versus Mm -hmm. versus like a decompressed, individualized, slow moving.
0: Yeah, yeah. Imagine doing like a year long Superman family story that could bring in characters like from the other parts of the D.C.U. too. But
1: I mean, that that's essentially what we got, not with a Superman story, with a Batman story, but with the first and second Batman Eternal series like we had a yeah, lot of Harper yeah. row in those issues. You know, we got a lot and those of were good. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of characters we wouldn't have normally spent time with. And yeah. so, you know, all that's good.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So all next right. week we'll be reading issues, uh, 14 through 26, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever volume two of 52 is, um, and uh, Zach will be leading that show, so stay tuned for that. If you need to find us on Twitter, you can find two-thirds of us. I am at Brian needs
0: And I am at Wilker Fox.
1: If you need to find Vince, he is frantically Googling Eddie Barrows' art from 2005 or so
2: because... Because uh, yeah. I'm a huge perv. Is that, that's what you're saying?
1: No, I, I was going to say because because you're a huge appreciator of fine art. But if you want yeah. to take it your own
2: way, you can. <laughs> I know what you think of me.
1: That I love you and think you're wonderful?
2: Aw. Aw. See?
1: Sincerity is there, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.
0: My f- game is good. <laughs> There's the <laughs>